Would you turn please to 1 Corinthians, the first chapter. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And we'll begin in verse 18. We looked at this some uh, last Sunday, and I want to continue with it. It said, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But to us which are saved, it's the power of God. You can tell who's lost and who's saved by how they respect or don't respect the gospel. Can you see that? If somebody says, oh, that church stuff, there's nothing to that. Well, it's not true what they said, but what they just revealed is that they're lost. And that's sad. But to us who are saved, the preaching of the gospel is not foolishness. It's the power of God. Everybody say power of God. Keep reading. Verse 19. He said, it's written, I'll destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Verse 22, he said, the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. Now, you'll find these two groups are still in the earth, not just saying Jewish or Gentile, but there are those who are intellectual, and what they seek is more intellectual. They seek more knowledge, more understanding, more wisdom. And then there are others who are not so intellectual, but they believe in the reality of spirit, be it good or bad. And they're looking for power manifestation, a sign. Verse uh, 23, we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block. And unto the Greeks, foolishness. With unbelievers, whether you're intellectual or whether you're a spiritualist, if you're an unbeliever, preaching Jesus makes neither of them happy. <laughs> but it's their problem. <laughs> because he is the only answer. Right? Verse 24, but unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. He's both. He's all. He's everything. Hallelujah. You're looking for wisdom? He's it. You're looking for power? The same. He's it. Hallelujah. Power. Power and wisdom. Glory to God. Woo. You know, sad. So much of the world is searching for the answer. And we have found him. We have found him. I'm not searching for the answer. I've found him. Have you found him? He goes on to say, because the, uh, the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Now skip down to chapter 2. 
chapter 2 and verse 1. I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. He, he starts by saying how he didn't approach it, how he didn't, what he didn't do. Not with excellency of speech or of wisdom. And yet, Paul, who was formerly called Saul, was, uh, had the best especially best religious education available. At the time, Gamaliel was considered the premier professor, if you would, or teacher or instructor. And Saul, who was from Tarsus, actually was taken to live and train under Gamaliel. And if you read other parts, even of the New Testament, it talks about how that Saul had, he had excelled past his contemporaries, he was the poster child <laughs> of the Pharisee intellectual and spiritualist. And um, so he, he knew stuff, and he spoke multiple languages, and he could speak, but he said, he's saying, I did not come to you this way. He went on to say, Verse 2, I determined not to know anything among you, save or accept Jesus Christ and Him crucified. You know, there are things we can say and do that's just expressing our thoughts and convictions and experiences, and then there are things that actually help people. <laughs> right? The, you just everything you decide to say or share doesn't necessarily help people. There are things we can, how many understand there's a lot of talk that there's no power in it. And there's nothing in it to help or change. Especially if you're just talking your frustrations and your problems. Or your failures, or how upset you are, or how hurt you are, or whatever. The scripture cautions us in Ephesians that we are to put aside and not have any corrupt communication, but only what's good to the use of edifying or building up that it may minister grace to the hearers. <laughs> when uh, uh, this is part of growing up spiritually. Uh, babies don't think about what they're going to say. Right? They just, it crosses their mind, it comes out of their mouth. And, and babies and, and little ones, if they're uncomfortable or unhappy, they yell, they cry, they don't care if it wakes you up, they don't care. Right? That's being a baby. You do understand we got a lot of 60-year-old babies and, and even 80-year-old babies. But when you grow up, you, uh, and if you're developing spiritually, you're becoming an imitator of your father, your spiritual father, and God, and of your Lord. And instead of just saying everything you think, and instead of just saying everything you feel, and instead of just voicing your frustrations and exasperation and your hurts and all this, you think about words 
that will help. Words that will heal. Words that will deliver. Hallelujah. And you look to the one inside you to give you those words. The right words at the right time for the situation. Hallelujah. How many understand there, there is the perfect thing to say? You can't just come up with it out of your head, no matter how educated you think you are, smart you may be. It requires the Holy Spirit. Uh, Proverbs talks about perfect words are like apples of gold in pictures of silver. <laughs> it's a perfect presentation. Hallelujah. So many times we should just pause a moment, be quiet about what we think and what we want and all this other stuff and just say inside of ourselves, Lord, what can I say that would help them? What words would you give us that would comfort them, that would strengthen them, that would help them? And it doesn't have to be a book. It can be a phrase. It can just be a phrase. It can be a sentence, a phrase. Hallelujah. He said, verse 4, 1 Corinthians 2 and 4, my, my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but it was in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. He went on to say, verse 5, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Hallelujah. Your faith should not just be in your groups, your churches, your ministers' doctrine. God is real and he is powerful and his word is with power and it takes power to be born again. It takes power to be healed. It takes power to be filled, to be delivered. It takes power to be protected. Not just talk. Power. <laughs> Paul could talk. He could speak to you in multiple languages. You talk about Hebrew and Greek definitions, he could give them to you all day long. And he could wax eloquent. You can see that in the book of Acts. You know, they, they hired the best lawyer they could find, this Tertullus guy, to beat Paul. And when Paul got up to speak after him, he blew him away. I mean, <laughs> but he had help. Is that right? He had help. The Holy Spirit was in him. But I'm saying there was some things God had put in him and developed naturally. So he could speak. And he could talk to you as deep as you wanted to talk. In fact, he could lose you. <laughs> but he's, he's telling these guys, when I came and spoke to you, I did not come with eloquence. I didn't come displaying all this wisdom. I came in 
demonstration, somebody say demonstration, of the Spirit and of power. Now we, all of us that have grown up in the West, in the U.S., there was a time not too long ago that it was rare for the common man or woman to be able to read and write. But uh, that's changed radically. And so it's common now for people to have many years of education. And when you practice that for your whole young life and into young adulthood, then you're big on wisdom, knowledge, right? Understanding. But it doesn't mean you're big on power. And in fact, what is taught in some of the uh, venues that are providing education, especially higher education, and especially more and more as the days go by, is a rejecting of spiritual reality and a talking about spiritual power as though it's all myth, as though it's all just fantasy and, and fiction. And you'll, you'll hear many of the professors in colleges and universities, they refer to this Bible and the Genesis account as the creation myth. And even the virgin birth and being raised from the dead as Christian myths. Myths. Well, what they are very boldly doing is denying the power. They're denying the reality of God and they're denying the power of God. Uh, in Second uh, Timothy three five, Second Timothy three five, he talks about even religious groups that do this, having a form of godliness. But denying what? The power of godliness and of God. From such, turn away. You don't want to be infected by that. Because the enemy is very subtle, very tricky, very crafty. If you listen to him long enough, you'll let him talk you out of some things. And we live in this natural in the seen realm, the physical realm, and the push is to believe this is all there is. And everything else is just, you know, imagination. But it's not true. God is real. God is spirit. Angels are real. Evil spirits are real. The Holy Spirit's real. And He has power. He is power. The way you got born again was some power manifested inside you. Anytime you've ever been healed, some power was manifested in your body. Anytime you got delivered, some power was manifested in your life and in you. When you were protected, some power, somebody say power, power, some power was manifested. God has spared my life so many times. How about you? So many times. Sometimes I almost want to apologize to my angels. Sorry. Sorry I put you in that place. I mean, I... sure glad you were there. But... Mm, yeah. 
<laughs> but that's not rhetoric. That's not reasoning. That's not talk. That's power. Hallelujah. <laughs> Just a few days ago, the Lord spared me from having a wreck. I mean, I was, I don't know, seconds sounds too long, away from really having a, a, a problem. <laughs> and uh, Phyllis asked me about it. She said, uh, did, you, did you have time to say Jesus? Or I said, no, I had time to say nothing. It happened so quick. <laughs> but I'm here. I'm whole. Got all my parts. It wasn't talk that got me out of that jam. All of you have got similar stories, don't you? I mean, all of you. It, it wasn't talk. There was no time for talk. But I served God. I belong to him. Hallelujah. And he is merciful. And he is gracious. And his power did something. In a moment of time. In a split second. That changed the situation. Hallelujah. I believe in the power. I've seen the power. I've experienced the power. And I know There's a whole lot more in the manifestation of the power that God wants to do and that we should see and experience and know in church and out of church. We don't deny the power of God. We have faith in the power of God. How many would agree with that? We have faith in the power of God. Go with me to 1 Kings, if you would, the, uh, the 18th chapter, and I'm going to go to another place on the way there, set up something for you. You're going to 1 Kings 18, but on the screen, put up Luke 9 and uh, 53 for me, please. Jesus had sent his disciples to a village of the Samaritans to get things ready for him, and they didn't receive him. Because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. There was, a, there was a lot of prejudice between those two groups. And um, when the disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, will you that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just like Elijah did? Lord, you want us to do this. <laughs> now, you read that and you laugh and chuckle. They weren't playing. They were serious. Now, people hear that today and they go, are you joking? No, they weren't joking. They made reference to the precedent of Elijah and what happened with him. How that fire came down and consumed. Well, that's power. That's not talk. That's power. And hanging around with Jesus and seeing the power manifest, these boys have gotten emboldened. (laughs) I think if you'd have checked with them two or three years before they started working with Jesus, they'd have never had a thought like this. 
<laughs> Maybe they believed the passage in, in the Bible about Elijah, but probably didn't think of it much more than you think about it in daily life. But they have seen power that just keeps on manifesting. The power was on Jesus. When he came out after being baptized in the river, the Spirit of God came on him. Hallelujah. And then after being tempted for those 40 days and nights, the Scripture said he came out in the power of the Spirit. And when he spoke, it was powerful. In fact, the, the, everybody that heard it said, man, Boy, when he speaks, I'm going to paraphrase a little bit, it about knocks you off the chair. I mean, he, he doesn't speak like the Pharisees or the Sadducees. He doesn't speak like the professors. Man, when he speaks, it's got some punch to it. <laughs> and, and evil spirits would cry out. Why? Why? Because the power's bothering them. <laughs> and then they should have kept quiet because he had commanded them to shut up and come out. And it, the person would be delivered. And, and healing power. People would want to touch him. Why? Because of the power. The power. The power. And so being around that power and seeing things and experiencing things, it became more and more real to them until they're at the point where, hey, we can call down some power today and teach these unbelievers a lesson. Don't disrespect our Jesus like this. Lord, how about it? <laughs> now you're laughing, but you understand they're not playing. James and John, they're right there. They could, Lord, did you know what these guys did? They, they said they're not going to receive you. Because they, they heard you going on to Jerusalem. So they said, no, they won't come out. You can't come. They're not going to receive you. How about we call some power down? We call some fire down. You know, like Elijah did. We got scripture for it. Because you know, the Lord's very stickler about the word. And so they knew you're going to have to have some scripture. So they, we got scripture. And if you look it up, which I just recently did, multiple passages. They, they got multiple witnesses about this. And the Lord had to tell them, he turned and rebuked them. Why, why rebuke them? Because they're about to do it. He had to put a halt on them. He rebuked them. He said, no, 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 you don't know uh, what kind of spirit you're of. The Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives. That's not why I'm here, to burn people up <laughs> and wipe people out. That's not why I'm here. <laughs> I came to save them save them not burn them up and so they just went to another village and James and John went yes. thought, thought we were going to thought we were going to see something today but what they were referring to you'll see in this passage I just had you turn to 1 Kings 18 there, there's something else you ought to say. Hold your place there and go back over to 1 Corinthians 4. I think this will mean more to us if we take the time to see this. 1 Corinthians 4:19. The Spirit of God said this through Paul. 
He said, I will come to you shortly, if the Lord will, and I will know not the speech of them which are puffed up, but the power. He said, you got some big talkers among you. And um, I'm planning on coming, if the Lord wills, as he wills. But, and when I do, we'll find out. Not just their big talk, but the power. Verse 20, for the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. Now, we're, we're word people, so this bothers us a little bit. <laughs> right? We're like, hmm, the kingdom's not in the word. The NIV says it like this, and I think it brings out the emphasis. The kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but power. Not just talk. Not just empty talk. And empty words. God's word is with power. He upholds everything by the word of his power. And the power of his word. But everything that people say isn't God talking. And everything that people say from the pulpit. And in churches and in meetings is not all God, when God says something, there's power in that to back it up and make it come to pass. But a lot of people say a lot of things and even say God said it when he didn't say it. And so there were some big talkers here at the church Corinth. And Paul said, well, we're going to find out when I come. And uh, you'll see He says some things that might sound a little strange to our ears today, but that just shows we have let some things slip. Because, man, they had had some showdowns with some situations. Do you remember what happened with that sorcerer, Elamus, in the book of Acts, who was opposing them and their preaching and at one point Paul looked at him and said you child of the devil always trying to pervert the right ways of the Lord the hand of the Lord is on you and you're going to be blind and I mean boom he couldn't find the door and the leader of the group in the kingdom he's like wow I believe (laughs) I am impressed. (laughs) That's not reasoning. That's not talk. That's. (laughs) That's power. Has the Holy Spirit changed? Has God changed? No. It's just that, especially in a lot of our circles in the U.S. and the West and all this, people have become intellectual and have been taught that you know spiritual manifestations that's that's more you know symbolic no it's real I said it's real it's real and 
God never changes. And if you read the scriptures, you'll find toward the end of the end times, things are gravitating back to power showdowns. There will be power manifestations, both good and evil. Well, one of them that's just classic to me is what happened with Elijah and the showdown with the prophets of Baal. <laughs> this, this is something. And you read about it right here in this, uh, this 18th chapter. Look there if you would please. In Kings. 1 Kings and uh, 18. What had happened is that the Lord had told his, his prophet that there was not going to be rain for three years. And uh, we see the connection in the book of James. It tells us that uh, Elijah prayed that it not rain. And the Amplified actually brings out from that passage in James that the King James says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The Amplified brings out the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Hallelujah. Tremendous power available. Now you can't separate the praying from hearing from God. You can't just say, well, I'm going to pray, 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 and cause a bunch of power to be manifest. No, you are not the dynamo. You don't generate the power. <laughs> but prayer is a vital component because you seek God, you commune with God, you ask what he deals with you to ask, you declare and decree what he gives you to decree, and he answers the prayer. Hallelujah. And he manifests the power. Makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working, and it gives the very example of Elijah. Keep going, verse 17, and this is King James is fine for the rest of it. Elijah was a man subject to like passions as, as we are. He prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. Now let's just pause a moment. What kind of power does it take? To interrupt the flow of air currents and the effects of seasons and the rotation of the earth and the heat of the sun on the surface and all of that. We're talking serious power. Serious power. And go ahead, keep keep reading. He prayed, and then he prayed again, and the earth gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Was it a coincidence that the drought happened the same time? Well, that's what unbelievers will try to tell you. And it was just, you know, these things happen. Nobody knows why. No. Spiritual forces affect natural things. The power is real. 
But this in 1 Kings 18 is on the heels of this. This has already happened, the drought, and then this is at the end of the three years. Verse 1, it came to pass after many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year and said, go show yourself to Ahab and I'll send rain on the earth. Ahab had been looking for him everywhere, trying to find him, trying to kill him, trying to take him out. And uh, so now the Lord says, go show yourself to him and tell him that now it's going to rain. And I won't read the whole thing. It's worth your time if you're not familiar with it, especially, or if you've read it a hundred times, it's worth reading it again. You'll get something new every time. So anyway, uh, he revealed himself to them. And verse, skip down to verse 17 or so. When Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said, are you he that's troubling Israel? (laughs) Uh, Sinners blame preachers. (laughs) And verse 18, he said, I haven't troubled Israel, you and your father's house, in that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and you followed Balaam. Man, that's bold talk to a murderous king. Now, therefore, now listen, who's giving the instructions around here? Send and gather to me all Israel to Mount Carmel, and the prophets of Baal, 450, and the prophets of the groves, 400, which eat at Jezebel's table. And Ahab did it. He sent to all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. And Elijah came unto all the people. Now, you talk about public. He didn't get any more public than this. They called everybody, and they called all the opposition, all the prophets of Baal, hundreds of them. So there's thousands of people out here. And Elijah got up in front of the people, and he said, how long will you halt between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal... If Baal is God, follow him. And then he he just stopped. And you couldn't hear a peep. The people didn't answer him a word. (laughs) So then Elijah said, I even only remain a prophet of the Lord. Well, he found out later there were others. That was his current information at the time. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. To say he was outnumbered, that's certainly accurate. So let them, therefore, I'm going to let them go first. Give us two bulls. Let them choose one bull for themselves. Cut it in pieces, lay it on the wood, put no fire under it. I'll dress the other bull, lay it on the wood, and we put no fire under it. And you call on the name of your gods. And I'll call on the name of the Lord. And the God that answers by fire, let him be God. <laughs> this is something. This is a national event. 
It is. He said, call all Israel together. I'm not saying every person was there, but the representatives of the nation were there. You talk about a showdown. And how many understand you are really committing yourself? Are you? Are you? No, I mean you. You're talking about going out on a limb? You're going out on the limb as far as you can go out on the limb. If this doesn't work, you're, what do you think they're going to do? This is your last big to do if this doesn't work. But we will see later, he didn't just come up with this idea on his own. The Lord told him to do this. We'll see that he, he says this later. That he didn't just say, I'm going to show them who God is. No, that's you acting like you're bigger than you are. No, you're not going to show somebody. But we know he prayed. Is that right? We already saw that in James. And he prayed and he heard from God. And the Lord told him what to do. And he was bold enough to step out and do it. Did Elijah have faith in the power? Because I mean, we, we are out of the realm now of discussion. And debate. It's not get your best scholars together. And we're going to sit down and debate this thing. This ain't a debate. No. The God who answers by fire. We'll let him be God. (laughs) Don't you like, do you like this enough? This is, do we have the same God today? Is it the same God? Has he lost any of his power? The New Testament tells us that our God is a consuming fire. One of the prophets that saw him one time said from his loins down, he was fire. From his loins up, he was fire. Well, where does the fireball of a star come from? How did that come into existence? It came out of him. He spoke it into existence. Mm, mm -mm. And so, this this would have to be a tiny manifestation of his firepower. It'd have to be a minuscule, micro manifestation from his point of view. And yet, it was something that was needed. The nation is off track. It's off the rails. They've decided they swapped left left out God and swapped in Baal as their God. And that's why so boldly Elijah was, was saying, why keep messing with this and fluctuating about this? If God is God, oh, is everybody listening? You, might, you, you don't think this applies to you, but this applies to you. There will come situations in your life when you need to quit trying to talk and quit trying to reason about it and you need to hear from God and say, well, let's let God demonstrate it. God has never changed. What did the Lord say? You shall receive power after the Holy Spirit's come on you and you'll be witnesses. Witnesses unto me. The Lord wants to do things. 
He wants to do things in the sight of unbelievers. He wants to do things with your co-workers, your neighbors, your friends, people that you encounter that are intellectuals, that are skeptics, that are agnostic, that are atheists, whatever the case may be. And, and all the talking in the world is not going to solve some of these situations. But there, now you can't just do this on your own. But if you'll pray. And if you look to the Holy Spirit, there will be times he'll say, okay, step out bold on this. And just tell him, well, if I pray about this and God does this, will you open your heart to him? If I pray this right now and God healed your leg, will you open your heart to believe in Jesus? <laughs> Let God demonstrate it. Is that right? Yeah. And they say, well, yeah, okay, if anything happens, all right. Okay, here we go. Yeah. Here we go. Here we go. And he will do it. He will do things. And of course, it'll be up to them if they are honest about it or not. But God is still the God who demonstrates. Isn't that what Paul said? I didn't come to you with enticing words, of man's speech or wisdom. But in demonstration of the spirit and power. So that your faith would stand not in the wisdom and talk of men. But your faith would be in the power of God. Because the power of God is not going anywhere. Whatever those people said or didn't say. Whether they're still here or they're not here. The power of God will still be here. And if your faith's in the power of God. You're standing on stable ground. You're standing on rock solid foundation. Hallelujah. <laughs> so uh, Elijah says, make up your mind. If God is God, then quit messing with this Baal stuff and serve God. If Baal's God, well, okay, you can forget Jehovah, serve him. So let's see who's God. Let's see who's God. Come on, and let's do it right out here in front of everybody. Huh? We'll get us two altars, two bulls, two sacrifices, two groups of wood, but no fire. No fire. And I'll let you go first. And the God that answers by fire. He's God. He's God. And I don't know what these prophets of Baal thought were going to happen. <laughs> but they accept the challenge. Well, what else are they going to do? Out here in front of everybody? I mean to say, no, we're not going to do it. Then everybody's going to go, yeah, because you can't. So... They took it, and maybe they're true believers in Baal. And maybe they think this is going to be their shining hour. <laughs> so, when he said that, all the people said, it's well spoken. Yeah, let's have it out. And Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose you one bull for yourselves, dress it first, because you're many, and call on the name of your gods. But don't put any fire, no fire. And so they took the bull which was given. They dressed it, verse 26. They called on the name of Baal from morning 
even till noon. And they said, Oh, Baal, hear us, hear us, oh, Baal. But there was no voice, and nobody answered. Everybody say, Nobody answered. Nobody answered. So they got animated and they leaped on the altar. Now, this, is, this has been going on for, I don't know, four plus hours. From morning till noon, depending on when they start. And so, verse 27, at noon, Elijah mocked them. <laughs> and he said, and the margin says with a great voice, he said, cry, you need to get louder. You need to, wow, loud. Louder, because, you know, he's a God, but, you know, maybe he's talking to somebody else, or he's pursuing, or maybe he's on a trip, or maybe he's asleep, and you got to wake him up. So, louder, louder. (laughs) And they did. I mean, they cried aloud. They got as loud as they could, and they started cutting themselves. You can sure see where cutting comes from. It's devilish. And you don't have to cut yourself. You say, well, I I can't help it. That's a lie. That's a lie. Your body is your body. And if you're a Christian, it's the temple of the Holy Ghost. It's been bought and paid for with a price. Don't deface property that's not yours they cried aloud they cut themselves after their manner with knives and lancets until the blood gushed out upon them I mean the blood is gushing out and they're jumping and they're screaming oh Baal oh Baal hear us oh Baal hear us and nobody answered no fire No movement. (laughs) Came to pass when midday was past. They prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. This is another, what, three or four hours. Basically all day. There was neither voice, no answer, nor any that regarded. Because Baal is not God. And it's sad that people... Pray to stones and rocks and statues and spin wheels and do all the stuff they do. It's pitiful. I said it's pitiful. Now you don't go out of your way to mock somebody's God necessarily. This is something that happened on that particular day. But you don't show other religions respect either. Because to do so is to disrespect your God. The one true living God. You don't act like they are a viable alternate religion. Because they are not. They are lies. And they cannot answer prayer. And they cannot save. It's pitiful. It's pitifully sad that people put their faith in these things. But it's been happening for millennia. But as the evening came, verse 30, Elijah came to the people and he said, come close. <laughs> He's given them all day. 
And he told everybody, okay, all right, enough of this. Come on. Come up close. I want you to see this. Come on, up, up close. Mm, not that close. <laughs> we are talking about fire here. Right? Come on, come on. And he went and repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. It had not been used and was in disrepair. So he had to put it back together with the stones. And uh, keep going. Verse 31. He took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob. Unto whom the word of the Lord came saying Israel shall be thy name. Hallelujah. Keep going. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. So think about this. He this was not lost on them. These are the 12 tribes. How many stones? You can hear the people whispering all in the background. What's he doing? Getting a stone. What's he doing now? Another stone. How many has he got now? Let's see. One, two, three, four. Twelve. Twelve. Yeah. Twelve tribes. Built the altar back up. Then he dug a trench all around the altar. Big enough to contain two measures of seed. Then he put the wood in order. Put it all. Cut the bull in pieces. Put that on the wood. Then he said. Fill some barrels with water. Four barrels. And pour it on the sacrifice. And on the wood. You ever heard the phrase. Your wood's wet. (laughs) Your wood is wet. Now here's the thing. God can light wet wood. I think think we forgot that part. You don't have to be bone dry wood for God to light you up. Fill four barrels with water. Pour it on the burnt sacrifice. And so they did. Verse 34. He said do it again. Second time. So four barrels of water. Poured it all over everything. Second time. Then he said okay. Do it the third time. Do it again. Nobody will be able to say, oh, he had, had some kind of sparking device set up under there. You know, he had that all rigged. Mm-mm. Everything is soaking wet. Do it the third time. They did it the third time. And the water ran about the altar and filled the trench with water. Everything is soaking wet, dripping water. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. This is going on all day. Elijah the prophet came near. And he starts speaking to God. Praying. He said Lord God of Abraham. Isaac. And of Israel. Let it be known this day. That you are God in Israel. Yes. Woo. How many understand. When it comes to power manifestations. We are not trying to show uh, ourselves. But him, is that right? Yeah. We're not trying to say, oh, he's got the power, they got the power. We are vessels. Yeah. Vessels that the power resides in and can manifest through. But the glory is not for us. It's for him. People don't need to be drawn to us. We're not the savior. We're not the healer. They need to be drawn to him. 
He said, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and I am your servant. See, he's not the source. He's the servant. And I have done all these things at your word. Come on, can you see? He did not just say, I'm going to go down there and show them what for. Nothing would have happened. He'd have fell flat on his face. The Lord told him to do every one of those things. He was acting out step by step what the Lord told him to do. And that's part of the ministry of the prophet. He said, I've done all these things at his word. He said, hear me, O Lord. Hear me that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their heart back again. Hallelujah. Next verse. Then, that's not a long prayer. I said, that's not a long prayer. Then the fire of the Lord fell. It consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. Whoosh. It came right out of the sky. Glory to God. It'd be like a massive lightning strike or something like that. But it was fire that came right out, they would say heaven, right out of the sky. And it disintegrated stone. I mean, it was a flash and then there was nothing there. It was an empty spot. There was no sacrifice, there was no wood, there was no stone, there was no altar. It's like that. And the water, it was bone dry. Verse 39. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces. And they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. (laughs) No more debate. No more talk. No more reasoning and wondering. Let's settle this by fire. You know, when the Holy Spirit manifested, came into the earth to to reside on the church throughout this dispensation, he showed up in fire. Is that right? God has always been manifested in fire and smoke and light and glory. He has lost none of his power. He's lost none of his strength. None of his ability. Why talk about it though? Why have these things in here? Because faith in the power directly affects the manifestation of the power. We've already touched on this and the further we go, we're going to see it. For people who don't believe in the power or it's just a nice story to them, you will not see much manifestation of the power. But for people who do, people who pray, people who believe, people who are expecting not just to see their preachers wave their arms and say some interesting things, they are expecting some manifestations of power in the seat with me. Hallelujah. People being healed, people being, you don't have to have a long prayer line to get somebody healed. Deliverance is why power manifestations. 
power manifestations where people believe in the power and are expecting the power, they will experience the power. You know this is true. Where people don't believe in the new birth, you don't see the new birth. It's where people do believe in the new birth. And preach, you don't see people experiencing all kind of divine healing where they don't even believe in divine healing. No, you see it manifested where it is preached and proclaimed and heard and believed and received and expected. This is something I believe is building in us and it will continue to build in us. In some of the great healing and deliverance and miracle services of the past, I won't go through a bunch of names, but especially like in the 40s and the 50s and some of those things, I remember some of the phrases. I've been able to watch some of the actual films from those, some of those services. And actually, my, my grandmother and my great-grandmother were healed in some of those meetings. And um, amazing things. My grandmother had cancer in her hand and arm, and um, it was in bad shape. And in those days... Poor people didn't even hardly go to the doctor. And, and a lot of times the doctors couldn't help them anyway back, back that early. All, all they could do is amputate it or whatever. And, and uh, standing in one of the services, my grandmother said she felt the power of God. She, and, and she said, uh, the man of God said, uh, that hand that you're holding behind, she was ashamed of it because it looked so bad, you know. She was holding it behind her. He said, that hand you got behind you is, uh, is cancerous. Hold it out. And, and just like that, it all went away. <laughs> Glory to God. Just like that. It was all. And, hallelujah. And, and he said, not only that, but uh, your, your mother is here also. And she's been really sick. Well, she was in the back so far, you couldn't even see her. And he had her stand up. She was healed at the same time. Praise God. One of Miss uh, Woodworth Edder's meetings talked about people would come in and and some of others, these, they, they didn't have just long teaching sessions. It wasn't that kind of flow. But they believed the power would show up. Even with hardly knowing anything, they had faith in the power. And one individual, they said, one guy came to, uh, he was a, a reporter. And he was going to write some ugly stuff about this woman healing evangelist. And so he was sitting way up in the back. And he was actually talking out loud when she was trying to speak. And it was irritating the people around him. He said, ah, oh, ain't nothing to that. Ah, oh, that's a lie. And he's cussing and carrying on. And, and people were saying, shh, shh, be quiet. Shh, be quiet. He's way up in the back, in the back. And then about 30 minutes into the service, he went, uh, 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 uh. It, 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 it's on me. It's on me. It's, ah, 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 ah. It's a getting all over me. <laughs> He became a believer that night. <laughs> the power. Oh, somebody say the power. The power. Is God still power today? It is his spirit still move and manifest. Hallelujah. Stand on your feet, everybody. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. 
For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.